Good day, and welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Kleinman Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. India is home to the world's most ambitious electrification effort. By the spring of 2019, India's government aims to connect the 30 million rural Indian homes that remain without power to the electric grid as part of its broader effort to raise living standards and promote economic development. By 2030, India's demand for electricity will triple as its cities and middle class grow. New demand for electricity will be met by a mix of new renewable generation and coal-fired power. Emissions will rise as a result, highlighting the challenge India's government faces in reducing air pollution and climate impacts at the same time it strives to eliminate energy poverty. Today's guest is at the forefront of India's efforts to electrify and address environmental challenges. Piyush Goyal is India's Minister of Railways, Coal and Corporate Affairs in the government of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Until 2017, he was Minister for Power, Coal and New and Renewable Energy. Minister Goyal is also this year's recipient of the Carnot Prize, the Climate Center's annual award for distinguished contributions to energy policy. He will receive this award in a ceremony to be held in New Delhi this January. Minister Goyal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And congratulations as well on receiving the Carnot Prize. Thank you. Uh, it came as quite a surprise, but I think it's a recognition of the work that uh, Prime Minister Modi has done over the last four and a half years in taking electricity to every village, to every hamlet, and now taking it to every home in the country. I have been fortunate that I got this opportunity to participate in this massive rollout to take power to every single home in the country. And I think this award is a recognition of the work of millions of people all over the country. So the Indian government is working to provide electricity to all of its population. How many Indians still lack electricity? About uh, four or five years ago, an assessment was done where we found that about 31 million homes did not have access to electricity. There were also many villages and many hamlets which uh, remained without electricity despite nearly 65 years of independence since 1947. Prime Minister Modi got down to implementing his vision of every single home having the basic amenity like electricity, just like he had done in the state of Gujarat when he was the chief minister of Gujarat. And about August of 2015, he drew up an ambitious program where very systematically took electricity to every village first, then spread the tentacles to all the neighborhoods of each village, and finally started taking electricity to every home. We completed the task of electrifying every village by April of 2017. We then embarked on the mission Sobhagya, in which we decided that the power should be taken to every willing consumer in the entire country, length and breadth of the country. Out of 31 million, I believe we have so far been able to take electricity to about 16 million homes. The rest of the homes are at various stages of uh, implementation. And I believe in the next four to six months, we'll have every single home in the country getting the benefit of electricity. We are further strengthening the infrastructure around electricity all across the country. 
And I'm confident that another six months from now, every one of these 31 million who were deprived five years ago will have electricity access. No child in the country will have to remain without electricity anymore. Here in the U.S., it can be hard to imagine what daily life would be like without ever having had access to electricity. Can you talk about what you personally have seen in electrifying villages? How does life change? Well, it's a dramatic shift. I know for certain that there were so many school children all across the country who in the morning hours were busy handing the family coals, going to school in the day. And by the time they are back, it would be dark, dark and there was no way to really educate themselves to do their homework. And somehow this section of society was remaining marginalized when it came to development. And there was this instance that came to my attention of this young girl called Anu in a remote village who had a typical life where home study was almost non-existent. She had no electricity at home. They never had electricity for de decades and generations. During the day, while she would go to school, but uh, never got a chance to study at night, kerosene and candlelight, all of that also is quite expensive beyond a point. And except for the bare essentials, is not easy to afford. Studying in very poor light also damages your eyesight. So it was a life which was reconciled to this depravity that is difficult for us to imagine. Mm -hmm. When electricity reached that home and the child could study in the evenings, prepare herself for school better the next day, it empowered her significantly. She's completed her school. She's aspiring to be a doctor today. And I have no doubt in my mind that we have huge amount of talent in the villages of India waiting to be empowered. And once electricity reaches a home, it's the base around which a lot more is achieved. It's not only about getting electricity per se, it's about literally empowering a family in terms of internet access going forward, in terms of a better quality of life, mm -hmm in terms of connectivity to the rest of the world through television, uh, which also needs electricity. And in some sense, if at all we are looking at a holistic development of every citizen of India, I think the basic and the first utility that we really need to reach them is electricity, and which is why this government has given a huge thrust to electricity being available for every citizen, almost as a right. Talk, if you would, about the fundamental balancing act that India faces in providing universal access to electricity and addressing the challenges of climate change and local air pollution, which I understand is very heavy in India's cities. Well, very clearly, India is committed both to providing electricity, affordable electricity, but also ensuring that it's clean energy going forward. While uh, we have about 57 to 60% of our capacity today based out of coal. It's an imperative that we can't wish away overnight. After all, we will need a base load in our system mm -hmm. in which we can inject renewables. 
And for a few more years, until new technologies come in and until we are able to replace coal with other forms of electricity 24 by 7, I'm sure India will have to continue with coal, but look at ways to make that coal cleaner, which is what this government has done. On the one hand, we are looking at cleaner technologies for thermal power, and we are looking at massively ramping up our renewable energy sources and integrating the two in such a fashion that more and more of our power or more and more of our electricity is generated by cleaner sources. And over a period of time, we are confident not only of meeting our goals set out in the INDCs at COP21, but exceeding them. For example, we set out to have 40% of our installed capacity through renewable sources of energy mm -hmm. by 2030. My sense is by 2030, given the rapid innovations that we are seeing in the space of renewable energy, given the falling prices of uh, clean energy like solar or wind, and also better storage being available, my sense is India would be probably 60% renewable by 2030. Similarly, we've closed down a lot of our old thermal plants, which were highly polluting and have stopped the practice of refurbishing old plants to give them a longer life. Mm -hmm. We are now looking at very modern plants which give very little carbon emissions. We are looking at cleaner coal. We are looking at how we can improve the availability of power for the whole country through a mix of coal and other renewable sources. Affordable, but certainly making it cleaner than what it ever was. Well, I, I recently saw a quote, I think, or it was an article that I think quoted Prime Minister Modi, uh, where it had mentioned that India is looking into supercritical coal plants, which themselves, if they would replace some of the older plants, could reduce emissions as much as a, a, a higher reliance on renewables. Hugely. In fact, uh, we've already got about f four or five supercritical uh, thermal plants and our experience is that uh, they've brought down our carbon emissions very significantly. In the last five years, we would have uh, shut down a number of old coal-based power plants. We've drawn up a program to shut down many more in the next decade to 2030. And I'm very confident that not only will we reduce our carbon dioxide, carbon emissions by 30 to 35 percent as a proportion of the growing GDP in the next 12 years, but actually cut them down much more than that. I would like to share with you a small comment Prime Minister Modi made sometime in 2015. A journalist had asked him what India would do in case other countries in the world do not live up to their climate commitments, do not live up to the promises that they make. Prime Minister Modi said, for India, this is an article of faith. It's not that we are looking at clean energy. It's not that we are concerned about the environment because somebody else tells us to do it. It's something that we as a country are committed to. It's something that we are passionate about. It's something that is traditionally Indian. So if you go back a thousand or three thousand years also, India is one country where the people would pray even to the rivers, would pray to the sun 
as a god would pray to every living being on 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 the planet and in that sense we respect nature and believe that it's our duty that we leave behind a better planet for the next generation it's very interesting that you say that because i want to ask you very specifically energy demand in india is growing whereas in the developed countries such as the united states it's flat as well as emissions being flat here as well so i want to hear a little bit more about how india's development realities color its view of its role in addressing the global climate challenge and if one was to look at the hard facts india's carbon emissions on a per capita basis today is equal to what it was in the united states in the 1860s 150 years ago so we pollute less per capita even today than what the united states polluted 150 years ago yet we don't take dread any solace in that we believe that the entire world will have to work together india will have to be a part of that global effort to bring down uh, emission levels and therefore despite a growing energy demand we have a large part of that coming from renewable sources and our existing sources are also being cleaned up very rapidly as i mentioned earlier you'll be happy to know last year in 2017 is the first year where we grew more renewable energy capacity than fossil fuel based thermal capacity so it's that inflection point for which we had started planning about 3 years ago where renewables has overtaken thermal in terms of capacity installed during the year this process will continue in the years going forward and we have engaged with the best of minds to see how we can integrate larger and larger quantities of renewable power into our grid into our system because ultimately it will also be a technical challenge within an existing grid the capacity of renewable that we can uh, take in and uh, we are using the best of technologies available anywhere in the world and are very confident that this massive roll up of our renewable energy program today we have embarked on the world's fastest and largest ramp up of solar power ramp up of renewable energy sources no other country has ever attempted going 40x in 6 years something which prime minister modi is very passionate about in solar energy and you'll be happy to know in the last 4 years we've increased our solar installed capacity almost 9 times and we are at about uh, 25 gigawatts now and we hope to take it to 100 gigawatt by 2022 we've seeded uh, along with france the international solar alliance so we can bring together all the countries where there's a lot of sun and add to the global effort f- towards clean energy and going forward with the more and more emphasis on storage becoming more competitive i'm confident that we could take our solar power generation to about f- 500 or 700 gigawatts in the years to come. Let me let me ask you more about that specific point. India's challenge isn't only to electrify but also to provide reliable electricity 24 hours a day, which is a challenge in the country at this point. Will the intermittency of wind and solar power make reliability going forward even more of a challenge to overcome? That's exactly the point I made earlier that we do need a base load mm-hmm. in which we can feed in renewable power. considering its intermittency 
Therefore, coal continues to be important for India until newer technologies come in. But having said that, we have Prime Minister Modi visioning a future which is very interesting. Very recently, he talked about one world, one sun, and one grid. After all, you have the sun in some part of the globe or the other for 24 hours in a day. And uh, looking at uh, potential future where we can have an interconnected world with one grid across continents, we could actually have power flowing from India during our sunshine hours to other countries in the neighborhood. And as the sun moves, power would be produced at different parts of the globe and transmitted around the world. These are things may sound a little uh, fanciful today, but not impossible to imagine happening in the years ahead. And similarly, as we are seeing better and better plant load factors of solar, of wind energy, my own sense is with this intermittency also will reduce. And with interdependence between nations and between continents, at some point we could have far more clean energy into the global system which will supplement, of course, some part of thermal energy which may be required to keep the grid robust. You have a very interesting background in the Indian government. And, and one of the things that really stands out is the fact that you were, until 2017, the minister in charge of new and renewable energy, and now you're the minister of railways and coal. What have been your mandates in each role, and how has experience in both fossil energy as well as renewable energy influenced your view of what's possible in India? Well, uh, I was handling power, renewable energy, coal, and for some time also the mine sector. In the previous role. In the previous role. And therefore, I was able to integrate the requirements of uh, power for the country as a whole, the need to push in more and more renewables into the system, and clean up the coal story so that we can reduce the emissions. So it was a very holistic vision that uh, we were able to implement in the first uh, three and a half years in government when I handled these portfolios. Having set the base on that, uh, I got charge of the railway ministry only about a year ago. And we've been able to bring in significant aspects of my learnings of the first three years into the railways also. You'll be happy to know we have now embarked on a program to convert the entire Indian railways into 100% electric-driven railway. By 2023, we will have the world's first large railway. No other railway of the size of India is running 100% on electricity. In fact, I believe the United States Railways barely uses electricity for 2 or 3% of its track length. We, were, we are now about 45% of our track is already electrified. The balance is going at a fast pace. Another five years from now, we'll be 100% electric. That's stage one. Simultaneously, we are looking at generating clean and renewable energy, particularly from solar, in a big way. And I'll soon be coming out with the contracts for 10 gigawatts mm -hmm. of solar power in the next uh, 7 to 10 years and taking it forward to 20 gigawatts if the prices can be more competitive. Now, with that level of energy generation, 
while the time of day may be different, we would generate all of this during the day hours. But railways is a 24 by 7 activity. So a large part of that I can actually consume. And some of it I can wheel into the system and draw from the grid. But net-net, I'm trying that in the next 10 to 12 years, if we can make India the world's first net-zero emission railway. That's the vision that we have for the railways in India. So we've been able to integrate a lot of our climate goals in the railway story as well. I'd like to ask you something about the, the financial aspects, the economic aspects of, of, of the energy transition. And first, uh, in 2017, the Indian government provided $10 billion in finance to the coal industry in the form of loans, I believe that, that was, and $3.5 billion to renewables. This does seem a little inconsistent with the goal to lower emissions. Can you ex- please explain the government strategy in those investments? I don't think the figures really add up. There could be some error in that. Because these are from the Center for Financial Accountability in New Delhi. That's where these must figures be came a from. private okay. center that mm-hmm. has not got its figures right. As I mentioned earlier, we've added more renewable energy last year than we've added thermal power. So very clearly, the financing is moving more and more towards uh, renewable energy sources. Uh, we will certainly need to invest in coal also. Particularly, as I said, when we are closing down old polluting plants and setting up supercritical or more energy efficient plants, more, less polluting plants in the coal side, we will need to continue to invest. I think it's important that we invest also on the coal side so that we can clean up our coal uh, power generation and reduce pollution from there. Since we can't wish it away, the base load will continue to come from coal. India's electric distribution companies, what we consider just the utilities here, have had some economic difficulties in recent years. In part, is my understanding, due to subsidization of residential customers. Can you please explain the challenge of financing electrification when consumers themselves have limited economic means? Well, I think uh, giving concessional electricity to the poor of the country, to the farmers of the country who are under uh, severe stress and are not able to pay large uh, electricity bills is something which is uh, necessary for the country to pursue for a few more years until we see income levels in the country go up. And that is usually cross-subsidized either by the industry or better-paying capacity consumers or at times by the state. The distribution companies did go through a very difficult time over the last 10, 12 years before this government came in. We brought in a program called Uday to rehabilitate uh, these distribution companies. In the last two and a half years, we've been able to bring down the losses of these distribution companies to by about 60 to 70%. And I think another two years from now, we'll see all of these distribution companies also hopefully making uh, profits uh, or at least covering their costs. But we are not yet ready, I think, to be able to completely eliminate subsidies, particularly for the poor in the country. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think the states are conscious of their responsibility and are also conscious that they will have to fund these electricity companies for the gap for some more time. Uh, To the best of our effort, we're trying to keep the cost of energy also low and are hopeful that 
this gap can be bridged without severe stress to the poor of the country. One more financial question, if I may. Looking at the larger picture of the transition, how much of this is funded and enabled by the government, and how much of this is private investment? Well, it's a mix of the two. So when Prime Minister Modi's government came in in 2014, we embarked on several initiatives to expand our transmission network, to expand the distribution network, and this program to take electricity to the villages and to the uh, homes. So for that, we have invested probably about 15 to $20 billion from the government. But the generating part of it, being a commercial activity and quite uh, able to stand on its own feet, is largely privately uh, driven, private sector driven. So it's, I would say it's a beautiful mix of public-private partnership that is taking the power sector forward. Final question for you, and thank you again for talking. If we were to record a follow-up podcast in 2030, what would you like to say about India at that point in the future? How will India's development energy reality have changed? Well, Prime Minister Modi has drawn up a vision of a new India in which every citizen has a roof on his head, has 24 by 7 access to affordable and clean energy, has good quality education, good connectivity of all sorts, connectivity through mobile, through communication, connectivity to reach out to the rest of the world, and a self-sustaining livelihood. As we move towards that new India by 2022, we are also conscious that we'll have to look at the concerns about the universe. We certainly cannot allow climate change, which is one of the biggest challenges before the world today, to overtake all the rest of the good work that we are doing. And we believe addressing concerns of the climate, addressing pollution problems, bringing down uh, carbon levels so that we don't allow global temperatures to go beyond 1.5 degrees is intrinsic to our development efforts. So I would think that 2030 would be possibly a good year to look forward to as a year where we would be one of the lowest carbon-emitting countries on a per capita basis anywhere in the world. All the shelter, all the roofs that we provide to our people, I would love to see in 2030 every roof having a solar panel on top of that and being self-reliant, uh, generating power for their use with storage within uh, their home, a distributed energy network, which doesn't uh, result in more emission causing the kind of calamity that the world today seems to be forcing upon itself. And I would like to see India at the forefront of this global effort to leave behind a better planet for our children, for the next generation, so that your and my children don't ever, ever ask us what uh, we left behind for them. Mr. Goyal, thank you very much for talking. And again, congratulations on receiving the Carnot Prize. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy. Today's guest has been Piyush Goyal, India's Minister of Railways, Coal and Corporate Affairs, and this year's Carnot Prize recipient. You can learn more about our center and the Carnot Prize by following us on Twitter, at Climate Energy, or by visiting us on the web at climateenergy.upenn.edu. Thanks for listening to Energy Policy Now, and have a great day. 